Well, I'm thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning and thankful for an opportunity to continue our sermon series on these seven last words of Christ. Uh, The word we have from today is from Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. Listen for God's word coming to you and for you from the gospel of Luke. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray together. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus did not die in a chapel or a sanctuary. Australian Baptist minister Tim Costello says Jesus wasn't crucified between two candlesticks in a cathedral in a sacred place. No, God incarnate hanged on a cross between two criminals, two thieves, two robbers or bandits or rebels as they're called in many translations of the Synoptic Gospels. The Roman Empire sanctioned this type of capital punishment, but the understanding was that the punishment should fit the social status of the offender rather than the crime. Roman citizens could not be crucified, except for in circumstances of treason, but this death penalty was reserved for troublemakers of lowly status. There are witnesses to this act, for it's likely that Jewish followers had accompanied Jesus to Jerusalem. People are watching, witnesses standing by in shocked silence. The crowds play an important role in much of Jesus' ministry, Aklos being the often used Greek word, they are the audiences for Jesus' teaching. They are the first hearers of Jesus' message. They are witnesses to miracles and exorcisms. They bring their family members and neighbors to Jesus for healing. They receive fish and bread in abundant supply. They hear the Sermon on the Mount. But this day, the story has gone all wrong in their view, and they cannot raise up their voices against it. They have heard that Jesus is the one who saves, but now he's being sentenced to death. This Messiah is sent to the same fate as many other leaders of failed movements against Rome. They meet at the place of the skull, Golgotha, 
a rocky and barren place, a place of death. It's there that they insult Jesus. The crowd of witnesses is silent, but there are those outside of the crowd that intend to mock Jesus. And with each group, the scorn increases, as noted by Bible scholar Chelsea Harmon. The people watched in silence. The leaders sneered. The soldiers mock and deride him. And the criminal blasphemes Jesus. In Matthew and Mark's telling of this story, both criminals heap on insults to Jesus from both his left and his right. But Luke tells a story of light in a sunken place. A story of victory when death looms all around. A story of hope amid abject hopelessness. The primary words from the first criminal, they spit like acid in their tone and tenor. Are you not the one who saves? Save yourself and us too. Cutting words from the opportunists on Jesus' side. And then a surprising word of defense from the criminal on the other side of the cross. Don't you fear God? Our punishment fits our crime, but this man has done nothing wrong. An admission of guilt, a recognition of Jesus' connection and identity as God. Could this thief be serious? Is this a heartfelt acknowledgement from an adversary of the state? Imagine the viewpoint and perspective of this contrite criminal, this sincere sinner, this candid culprit and upfront offender. Many have walked with Jesus and not understood his message. The disciples heard Jesus' prediction of both his death and his resurrection, but they have deserted and not believed. Many crowds have seen miracles and healings Some have believed, but many more have wondered about the legitimacy of this Messiah. Still others have heard the teachings of Jesus and not understood the good news. As Pastor Carrie Lewis LaPlante notes, once again, it is through an outcast that believers are shown a unique insight. She then quotes Bible scholar Daryl Bach saying, Some saw Jesus raise the dead and not believe, but this evildoer sees him being put to death and yet believes. I've talked with our students at our Heaven on Earth Sunday Night Live series about Jesus' continued effort to inspire his disciples and followers and us as modern readers to take notice of the inbreaking of this kingdom of heaven. Jesus spends the majority of his ministry talking about this concept of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven or God's reign. He compares it to a father's love freely given to a prodigal son who squandered his inheritance on overindulgent living. The kingdom of heaven is like a shepherd whose compassion is so great that even one lost sheep 
deserves to be found and returned to the flock. The kingdom of heaven is like a a pearl of great price, a, a treasure in a field, a rich man who throws a party and invites the poor, the blind, and the lame. But the demand from this delinquent is that Jesus remember him when he comes into his kingdom. In Jewish tradition, to remember was something asked of God on behalf of the dead. This man does not ask to be saved. He does not request to be rescued from his punishment. He does not beg to be removed from what he deserves. But instead, he looks at the bleeding man on the cross next to him and pleads for his remembrance. To those on the ground watching and listening, there is a paradox present. The thief seeks a sincere request of Jesus to be remembered, and yet if Jesus is the Christ, one may wonder why Jesus does not remove himself from such torture. If Jesus is able to save as the man believes, why is he not acting. The insults from the leaders and the first thief mock Jesus and add to his supposed inability to save himself. Perhaps Jesus hears the echoes of the words of Satan from his temptation in the wilderness, repeating, if you truly are the Son of God, save yourself, feed yourself, claim your power, overcome the laws of gravity and mortality. Come on, Jesus. If you really are the Christ, prove it. But Jesus had said, those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. Pastor Kerry Lewis again states, Jesus is proved to be the Christ only if he does not save himself, and yet, by not saving himself, he will, in fact, save others. Put another way, Jesus refused to save himself because he chose to save us instead. The thief on the cross does not seek to address this fellow dying man with an ornate title, He doesn't call him the king of the Jews, despite the inscription above his head. The leaders attempt to degrade him with titles of Messiah or chosen one. But this common criminal simply calls him Jesus. While not seeking to call him by insightful nobility, Jesus' very name means God saves. This man desired remembrance, but what will be granted is far greater than his plea. This man requested to be considered, but what will be given is much more than his petition. This man asked to be recalled, but what will be granted is finer than his appeal. His prayer is modest, but what is granted is extravagant. The one who saves responds by saying, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
the beginning of this statement from Jesus begins with truly or verily or surely, but it's the same Greek word that we often use to end our prayers. It's the word for amen. It's almost as if Jesus is gently coaching this reformed sinner in his inaugural prayer to end his petition with amen. The word also means may it be so or let it be or believe. While suffering, Jesus offers hope to a hostile party. Jesus offers belief to a combatant. He offers paradise to a perpetrator. And it's offered today. So when is this today? This, this type of punishment and death would often take several hours, sometimes many days. Would this man be immediately removed from his pain and punishment because of his request? Likely not. But the kingdom of heaven is freely granted to him because of his confession and belief. Hope is offered to him in a place of death. Grace is extended to him in a place reserved for shame. Understanding is given to him by a man in the same punishment. The themes of today and salvation are present throughout Jesus' ministry. For even his very birth is heralded by the angels saying, To you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus inaugurates his ministry by reading the scroll of Isaiah saying, He sent me to proclaim the captives will be freed and released and closes the scripture reading the commentary. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. When Jesus visits Zacchaeus, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. The paradise that is extended to the thief on the cross is the promise of heaven. A promise granted to each of us, not because of our works, but because of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is not just available to us in the afterlife, but it is freely given to us as we live in this upside-down kingdom life reflective of Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection. So instead of storing up treasure in what we can purchase, our investment in spiritual material is given, where neither moth nor rust can destroy. Instead of security in physical power or defense, our trust and faith rely on God. Instead of prioritizing our own needs, we consider the needs of others. Instead of saving ourselves with attempted moral action or ethical living, we relent and let Jesus save us. Jesus, the one who saves, grants this request immediately. Today you will be with me in paradise. The promise is true that Jesus, the one who saves on the cross, he grants saving power, even when it looks most hopeless. With all of the authority of Rome, the indignation of the crowd gather, the temptation of his own self-preservation, the very powers of the world, when they've seemingly overtaken the powers of God, Jesus offers hope. 
the one who spent his ministry saving people, redeeming situations, healing the ill. The one who does not save himself has the power to save even in his dying breath. Even from the cross, he has the power to save. Which harkens back to that first thief. The one mocking Jesus, saying, You've saved others. Save yourself and us too. For his words on his lips, they attempt to mock Jesus. But perhaps Jesus answers this mocking man by continuing his ministry. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. For Jesus did not lose hope, even in a hopeless situation. And all hearers today should not lose hope, but trust in God. For God has offered us salvation today where we live into God's reign. This kingdom of heaven is offered to us freely, a backwards kingdom where the one who could save chose to save us instead. Amen.